Well, today we talk peace. <laughs> Such a funny word, peace. What is peace? We're going to explore that a bit once we get into it, but I encourage you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter 3, 8 through 15, the first part of 15. This is Peter talking to people who are desperately afraid of what is happening right now because this is, this is happening towards, I can't remember the exact time, it, it's, it's towards the end of the apostles' lifespans. Uh, many of them have died, many have been persecuted and martyred, and, and so now we have these second-generation Christians who are rising up, and they're looking to Peter, and they're afraid because they said, you told us that Christ would be coming soon, and he's not here yet. And you guys are dying. So what do we do? How do we wait? And so it's here that Peter gives his dialogue to the church, a form of encouragement in darkness, surrounded by persecution, surrounded by darkness and despair and, and everything that we're facing right now. If you're able and you're willing in your house, I, I encourage you to, to stand up with me as we read 2 Peter 3, 8 through 15a. But do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, and the elements will be dissolved with fire, and the earth and everything that is done on it will be disclosed. Since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, what sort of persons ought you to be in leading lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set ablaze and dissolved and elements will melt with fire? But in accordance with his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness is at home. Therefore, Beloved, while you are waiting for these things, strive to be found by him at peace, without spot or blemish, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. This is the word of the Lord, and together we say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray. 
Heavenly Father, we, we pray that your spirit might come and, and work in our hearts and our minds right now. That through all of the noise, all of the chaos, and through all the, 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 the junk that just fills our lives, and through the fact that many of us are just sitting home right now in our living rooms, trying to engage in something that was never meant to be this way. I pray, Lord, that your spirit might just descend with power to work in our hearts and our minds, to convict us, to work with us, encourage us, and challenge us today. It is in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. Peace. What is peace? My mother's going to kill me for this. I grew up with three older sisters, so there are six of us in the home. Now, there's so many more because uh, there's nine grandchildren, plus three of the four of us are married. So you can add another 12 to the six, plus usually whenever we get together, my grandparents are with us. So that's another 14 to the six. So that's 20 people. Now, my parents have a fairly large house, but 20 people is a lot, especially considering that uh, nine of them are under the age of, what, 12 now? They're, they're younger still. They're still young. Christopher's uh, about the youngest in our, in our side, so he's three. So, I mean, they're growing, but they're still young. And it, when we get together, there is not peace found in that house. Not the way that people think of peace, at least. Uh, it, there is noise. There is fighting. There is yelling. There is bickering. There is lots of toys clashing and clanging and dropping. And, and, and when you get all of us siblings around the table, there is laughter and yelling and arguments and storytelling and re-storytelling. And there, there is no peace. I remember one time specifically when we were, were eating and we, our, us children, were just being particularly nasty that day, yelling at each other, bickering over the dinner table. And my mom just said, can't we have one decent meal? At that moment, peace for her was... Silence. Not yelling and arguing. And while that's nice, that's not quite peace. Now here a couple of weeks ago when we had this, the first like real snowfall, um, that was wonderful. I went out and I played with my children and I stopped and I stood up and I looked at the sky, and I love it when that happens, when, when you can look up in the sky and your eyes just get pelted with soft snowflakes, and the sky is just filled with all the snowflakes. To me, like that, that feels peaceful because it's so quiet. All that snow, it's dampening all the noises, so you don't hear as much, and so it's just quiet. 
But that's still not the peace that we need to understand today. No, what we need to understand for peace today is, is so much greater than quiet. It's so much greater than just not having children argue. It's so much greater than just having snow fall to the ground. The peace that we are called today by Peter through the Holy Spirit to have is an all-encompassing peace. The best way to think about it, the best way for us to understand it is to actually learn what the word shalom means. In Hebrew, shalom is, is this multifaceted word. Uh, it, it can mean hello. It can mean goodbye. It, it, it means peace. And, and throughout the entire Bible, when you read in the Old Testament, peace, it is shalom, but it is not just quiet. When you read the texts that surround this idea of shalom, this idea of peace, it is about wholeness. It is about completeness. It is about making right what is wrong. It is about comfort and unity and harmony in a way that God first designed us to be. And so, so peace today is a challenge for us to regain the unity and the harmony and the completeness, the oneness that God first made us to have when he created us. So today, we must learn to act in peace and for peace because of God's patience. Because of God's patience. Now, this, this text that Peter gives us here, he, he is trying to reframe the Christians' minds during this dark time. He tells them, do not ignore this fact, beloved, that for the Lord, one day is like a thousand, and a thousand is like one. What he's trying to get them to realize is that time means nothing to God. He is not bound by time. He is not constrained by it. He does not answer to it. He created time. And so he has all the time he needs to do precisely what he needs to do. He will never be too early. He will never be too late. But as it is said in Lord of the Rings, he'll arrive precisely when he needs to. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness. This is why it's so important that we understand that, that he is not constrained by time. It's because he is not slow to what he is trying to do. And what is it that he's trying to do? He's trying to bring salvation, right? I mean, the whole thing that we talk about, the whole reason we have the word of God, the whole reason Christ has to come 
is for salvation, so that we might have peace, so that we can be united and, and in harmony with both people and animals and the world and God himself. And so God is patient with us. Praise be to God that he is patient with us. Praise be to God he is patient with me. I wish I could have just a fraction of his patience with the people that I am surrounded by day in and day out. He is so patient. We read about this all throughout the story where at the at Mount Sinai, when they turn from him, he wants to destroy him, but then he changes his mind. He is patient. When they're wandering in the desert, he is patient. When they're in the land and they continuously sin from judges all the way through to the prophets, when they go into exile, he is patient with them. And he brings them back and they still sin and he is patient with them. The only reason any of us are even able to accept salvation right now, the only reason any of us can even be glad that we ourselves rejoice in the salvation we have is because God has been patient thus far. And he has not yet said, enough is enough, no more. I'm bringing all things to an end. Because that's, that's what happens. He says he, he's patient. He wants to bring about salvation. But realize there is a day coming. There is a time when the world will be dissolved. Everything will be destroyed. He is going to make a new heavens and a new earth. He's going to refresh everything to get away all the sin that has corrupted everything. But he's trying to be as patient and, and, and waiting as long as he can. And that leads us to Peter's most run-on sentence ever. If he submitted this to an English professor, they would probably have failed him. Because he says, since, in verse 11, since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, what sort of person ought you to be in leading lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set ablaze and dissolved, and the elements will melt with fire. That's all one question. That's a lot for one question. How then should we be? In what way should we be found? And that's where we have to then actually jump down to verse 14. And this is where we get the fact of that we should be acting in peace because of God's patience. Therefore, which you should know by now, it's there for a reason. Therefore, what is it there for? While you are waiting, while we are waiting for God to, to be done being patient, while we are waiting for God to bring about the end of the world so that he can make a new heavens and a new earth, while we are waiting, strive to be found by him in peace. Strive to be found in him, by him, in peace. So, 
with everything going on, with our world seeming to always get worse and worse every day, with, with depression skyrocketing, suicide skyrocketing, with all these rules that we just hate about the virus and, and don't even mention politics, what are we to do? Strive to be found by God in peace. But again, this isn't meaning that we're just sitting down saying, Ooh, okay, I'm going to be here quiet and, you know. No, no, the peace that he calls us to is an active peace. And that's why we can't just be, we, we don't just act in peace, but we act for peace. This is where we kind of have to do something about what is going on in this world. Within our own lives, within the lives of our families, within the lives of our, our works, in our community, we act for peace. Now, we do this in peace, which means we do it without violence. We do it without hatred. We do it without anger. We do it without causing strife. We, we do these things in the peace of God, for the peace of God. So that means that we look out into our communities, we see something that's not right. We see homelessness. We do something about it. We see families being ripped apart. We do something about it. We see people without food. We do something about it. The peace that we look to today is a peace that actively works to help people in their darkness, in their depression, in their anxiety, in their anger, in their addictions, whatever it may be. We find a way to help. Now, for many of us, we might need that ourselves today. I would not be surprised if many of us have not felt the constraints of depression with the different orders that have come through with the, 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 just everything that has been caused by this year. We are surrounded by darkness. But so were the people here that Peter's talking to. And he's saying, you, you strive to be found in peace And here's why. Because we can regard the patience of our Lord as our salvation. It all comes back. Because God's patient with us, we are being saved. Thus, if we are being saved, we know that we have nothing to fear. We know that depression is not the end. We know that darkness is not the end. We know that anger is not the end. We know that addiction is not the end. Because God's patience is bringing about our salvation so that we can live in this peace that brings wholeness and completeness and unity and harmony into our lives so that we can be ready for this new earth and this new heaven that he is bringing that we must wait for. But we can help bring it along quickly. Don't miss that. This is why we act for peace. Because he says, 
I have to find it here. Uh, in the in the midst of uh, uh, verse twelve, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God. When we act for peace, in peace, we hasten the coming of the day of the Lord because God is so eagerly wanting none to perish but all to be saved that when we help someone who does not have the peace of God, who does not have the salvation, this hope that we've talked about, but we come alongside them and we offer them peace. We work in their lives. We bring this healing and restoration in darkness. They come to be saved. And that's precisely what God wants. And so the more people we reach, the more people we care for, the more people we give this peace to, the sooner and sooner God's kingdom can come in its fullness and we will be done waiting in darkness. So we must learn today how we can act in peace. What does that mean for our lives? What are we struggling with today that we need to allow God to reshape and remold in us like we talked about last week with the hope that we have what do we need to do today to have this peace? This peace that means that we are complete. This peace that means that we are whole. That we have comfort, belonging. What is stopping us? Is anxiety? Is depression? Is worry? Our finances? Is strife? Is your work, what is it that is hindering you from resting, from being found in this peace? Because whatever it is, it's not worth it. Don't hold on to it. Don't think that you need it within your life. No, let it go. Not to draw upon a, a nice winter movie, but let it go. My wife got it. Don't be misled by what the world wants as peace. The world's idea of peace is, is not fighting. The world's idea of peace is everyone doing the same thing, belonging to the same area. The world's idea of peace is, is this corrupted, twisted idea of not having problems. But the biblical idea of peace is, in spite of all of this, we have nothing to worry. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to dread. We have nothing to hold us down because, in spite of all of this, we belong to God. That is true peace because we don't have to change the circumstances around us in order to have the peace. We have the peace regardless. We just need to actually look to the one who is trying to give it to us every single day. And then we take that peace and we give it to others who desperately need it. 
Who are those people in your life that need this kind of peace? We have been in such a rough year. I'm not going to say it's been the hardest year for all of us, but for many of us, it's been one of the top 10 trying years. And in this season of Advent, as we sit in darkness saying, Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Lord, come, please. As we look for the pathway to be made straight, as we look for all the hills to be brought low and the valleys to be filled up, as we look for this way, this path back to Christ and his kingdom. May we slow down enough to embrace, to strive for the peace that God so desperately wants us to have. To be found by God in peace. Because we know that God's patience is our salvation. Let us pray this morning. Father, please help us to have peace this day. Not the world's peace, not this idea of peace and quiet, this peace that means that we don't have any issues coming at us at the moment. We don't have any extra emails coming that cause strife or, or phone calls that, that cause our blood pressure to rise or, or, or work deadlines that cause us to, to think that we're not going to be able to get it done. No, no, Lord, not that kind of peace. We don't want the world's peace. So, Lord, help us to, to act in your peace, the peace of completeness, of wholeness, of this, this renewed life, this restored life that comes through salvation and help us to act for this peace in this world through ways of nonviolence, through love and compassion, may we seek to help others find purpose and unity and harmony through your salvation. In this dark year, may we not grow weary. May we not say, Lord, why haven't you come yet? But may we realize that you are patient. You just as might be giving this year so that more people might come to the realization that they need you. So may we do our part and live in peace so that they might see the light in the darkness. As we close for the benediction today, I encourage you to raise your hands to receive the blessing. God of hope, you call us from the exile of our sins with the good news of restoration. You build a highway through the wilderness. You come to us and bring us home. Comfort us with the expectation of your saving power. 
made known to us in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I now send you out into your community to make Christ-like disciples. Go in the grace of God.